So tonight, as I transition between books of the Bible, I want to take the time to look at part three of the State of Theology sermon series that I have started. For the other two, if you want to look more in-depthly at that, they're on our church's Facebook page. If you don't like the internet, just get with me and I can help you get a copy of those. So what were these sermons about? Well, Ligonier Ministries, they conducted polls with LifeWay Research, and they asked Christians certain questions. Now, these were Bible-believing Christians. The questions that were asked were over basic truths of the Christian faith. And tonight, we're going to look at one of those questions. And the question goes like this. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. Let me read that again. Do you agree or disagree with this statement? Everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. 52% of Christians polled agreed with this statement. That is to say that the majority of Christians polled said that they believe that everyone sins a little, but most people are good by nature. So this is what people think. The question tonight will be, what does the Bible say? Do we sin a little? Are we good by nature? And really, if we think about it, I would say the vast majority of us and most of the world at one point in time in our life have believed this about ourselves. We generally want to think that we are good. And we work diligently to give that picture to all the people around us, that we are good people. We say things to ourselves like, we're not that bad, and that there are many people in the world that are worse than me. We say things like, well, I've never murdered, I've never cheated, I've never committed adultery, I've never raped, or I've never stolen anything big. I only tell small white lies. I might look with lust, but you know what? I'm only human. Besides, it's better to look with lust than it would be to actually do the deed. I know that I don't worship God as I ought. I know I'm not devoted to Him and His ways as some of those other super-Christians. I'm not one of those zealots, after all. I don't want to be weird. And so what if I do things that are normal? What if I do things like the rest of the world? After all, we love the saying, nobody's perfect. This is what we grow up believing. This is what the majority of our society believes, that people are generally good and that only a select few are bad. The vast majority of people in the world have good intentions. That's what we believe. And that every Disney movie has told us over and over again that we all have good hearts. We say things like, I know I've messed up, I know I've done this evil thing, but I still believe that he has a good heart. We say things like, I don't know what came over me, I don't know why I did it, I don't know, it. I was just not myself. When our kids act in a sinful way, we say things like, what happened to my little Susie? That just wasn't like you. When we are sick or tired, we treat people around us in a horrible way, and we say things like, I'm sorry, but I was tired. I'm sorry, I was grumpy. I'm sorry. It's because I was sick that I treated you this way. 
This is our typical outlook on life. The vast majority of people believe about themselves that, that we are generally good. Sure, they mess up sometimes, but overall, we're good people, right? But what does the Scripture say about man? What do the Scriptures teach about our nature? Is it good? And if it is good, by what standard? What are we to be compared to? Well, if we were to look around and we were to compare ourselves to others, we are probably pretty good by comparison. Especially if we were to compare ourselves to the world's worst, we would be great by comparison. After all, we're not Hitler, right? But most importantly, what does God expect of His creatures? What does He expect of those who He has created? Let's look at what God says about us in the Scriptures. If we were to look back to the beginning, we look at Genesis, when the Lord was declaring His judgment on the earth, when He was declaring that He would flood the earth and wipe out man, He said this in Genesis 6, verse 5. He said, The Lord, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of the heart was only evil continually. God was not ready to wipe out the earth because mankind was generally good and that they messed up sometimes. God was grieved that He made man because every intention of the thoughts of their hearts was continually evil. So what is the standard? Well, God's standard is He is holy, and in His Word He has asked His creation to be holy. That is what our holy Creator has asked of His creatures. And He is your Creator after all. He is the giver of life, and He can tell us, He can tell His people, He can tell those who He created exactly how they should live, what they should do, how they should revere Him, and how they should worship him. And really, according to the scriptures, this is what he has asked of mankind. But we know that that's not our reality. That's not how we live. Not a single one of us. In reality, man is explained right there in Genesis 6-5. Every intention of the thoughts and the hearts of man are only continually evil. God, being our Creator, is not the reason for our hearts that are sin-sick. He created man upright and without sin. We have inherited this condition from our first parents, Adam and Eve. And it was because of that fall of Adam, because of the sin of man, because of the rebellion of man, rebellion because God gave that clear command, and Adam said no. Adam said, I want it my way. And because of man's sin, we fell. This is the cause of our sin nature. Some might say, well, what's the big deal? Why is it such a big deal? Why is the penalty for sin so harsh? Don't you think God should have just given us a break? It was just a mistake, right? Well, it's all about who we have sinned against. If you think about children for a minute, when they're fighting with one another and they sin against each other, yeah, sure, their parents are probably going to discipline them, but it's not the biggest deal in the world, right? But then your child comes to you and you find out that they've sinned against the chief of police. It's a little bit of a bigger deal. 
And then they come and they've sinned against the governor. That's even a bigger deal. Now wait a minute, now they've sinned against the president. That's even a big deal. That's a kid, he's out of control. I'm going to rein him in. And so as you see, the person that you sin against is what makes the sin a greater deal. And really, when we think about it, we have sinned against someone who is far greater, infinitely greater than anyone that I just listed. Our God is holy. He's high and lifted up. He is unimaginably great. And we, as His creatures, creatures from the dust, we sin against Him. And so it is a big deal. It is such a big deal that God said the wages of our sin is death. So what does this mean for our nature? Well, the Scriptures teach that we are corrupted by sin. As image bearers of God, we have been corrupted by sin. So what is in the hearts of man? Well, it says right here in Genesis 6 that it's evil intention. And some might say, well, wait a minute. What about those were those who were being judged in those days? That's who God was flooding the earth to remove. What about Noah? Remember, Noah was the righteous one. He was a generally good man, right? Well, that's not what the Scriptures teach. Noah was like the rest of us. He was like you and me. What sets him apart from the rest of mankind was verse 8. And verse 8 tells us there, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, it says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of God. The King James says he found grace. One commentator said about this verse, that what Noah found was the freedom from God's judgment. That that judgment was pointed right at Noah because he was a sinner like you and me. But God in His grace, in His mercy towards Noah, decided to be merciful to him. It wasn't that Noah was good in and of himself. It was because God had chose this sinner out of the world. The reason that he was different than all of the people around him is because he believed God. It was because of God's hand of restraint. It was because of God's preventing grace in his life. We know that Noah was counted righteous because he believed God. He trusted God. He, by faith, listened to God and did what he Commanded, And we know from the Scriptures that even our faith is a gift of God. To see who Noah was apart from the grace of God, look at after the flood. The Scriptures say that Noah grew a vineyard and got so drunk that he laid shamefully naked. It wasn't that Noah was a good person. Noah had the same heart as you and me. The good that we see in his life isn't because he was good by nature. It was because of the grace of God. It wasn't that Noah was good. It was that God is good. He did not have a heart that is generally good and messes up sometimes. He has a heart that's hopelessly lost in sin and with thoughts and intentions, as we read earlier, that were continually evil. And Noah was the man that he was because of what God did in his life. 
As we've talked about the heart, I want to explain the meaning. I keep saying heart. I'm not talking about that organ that is in our chest. That's, when we read of it in the Bible, it's the center of our being. The makeup of who we are. Our emotions, our desires, our inner man. The scriptures do not teach that we are good by nature and that we mess up sometimes. But, as I said earlier, this is what the world believes. Recently, my kids and I, including Elijah, who we can all hear tonight, we've been, we watched this movie, it's called Peter, Peter Rabbit, or Peter the Rabbit, whichever it is. The movie's basically like Peter and his arch nemesis, Mr. McGregor. And Peter comes up with that plot to destroy Mr. McGregor. This is what he works on basically the whole movie. And you can see that Peter, he really hopes in the movie that Mr. McGregor would be dead. He wants him free from his life, and he's willing to do anything to get there. And really the movie becomes all these plot after plot how to destroy Mr. McGregor's life. And at the end of it, you see that, that Peter, he's lost all of his relationships because of his actions. He's basically ruined absolutely everything in the movie. After this, he has a conversation with his parents, and this is what his parents tell him. They say this, Follow your heart, Peter. It's a good one. So yeah, it's his good heart that's led him to destroy every single relationship in his life. I'm being sarcastic, of course. But this is what the world believes. This is what the world around us thinks. That even when we do evil, even if we do all these evil things, it's not us. It's not our heart. It's not our fault. It's the circumstances around us that has driven us to do it. It's something that's coming, come over you. And when you come to your senses, just remind yourself that you have a good heart and that you're a good person. This is what the world believes. But the scriptures, hear me tonight, they literally teach the exact opposite of this. Jeremiah 17.9 says that the human heart is deceitful above all things, and it's desperately sick. And who can understand it? The King James Version says, desperately wicked of the human heart. This is our condition. Hearts that are desperately sick. Ecclesiastes 9.3 says, Also, the hearts of the children of man are full of evil and madness in their hearts while they live. What did Jesus say about our hearts? That the evil that we do, it's not merely messing up, but it comes out of our hearts. It's out of our heart's desire. It's a reality of who we are on the inside. What did he say about our heart? That we speak out of the abundance of it. In, in Mark 7, verse 20 and 23, he says, he says, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. What comes out of you is what's sinful. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceitful, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All of these things come from within that they defile a person. So the sins that we commit, they're from our heart. They're from within. 
There's something within you that is causing this. There's an idol within you. There's some self-centered motive that's leading you to sin in this way. It's coming from this within. It's the person that you are. So it's not something that just came over you. It's not a mistake. This is who we are. This is the reality of our inner man. The reason that you have thoughts that you hope that no one else will ever find out about is because your heart has been corrupted by sin. You, like us all, have a corrupt sin nature. So when you're around someone and they let something out and it's shocking, and they might say, wow, where'd that come from? The scriptures say nothing came over them, but they spoke out of the abundance of the heart. Their true nature came out in that moment. And we all know this to be true. When a married couple is angry and they're fighting, they say some of the worst things during those times. And what do they say after the argument? I didn't mean that. But they did mean it. Because that came out of their heart. That came out of their sin, sinful heart. When someone is drunk, they often say the, the things that they would never say to anyone. But when they lose that inhibition, out comes the heart. It just comes spilling out. When people are tired, when they're emotional, when, they, when they're beat down, when they're wore out, then they say they're, they're hurtful. They're more, more willing to be, to be harsh. Why? Because whenever we lose some self-control in our lives, the inside comes to the outside. We lose that inhibition, and the world gets to see a glimpse of what is inside of man. And this is the reality of us all. The sin is revealed to the outside world. This statement is so true and every single Christian should learn it. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. We sin because we are sinners. We were born this way. To so, so to think that we are generally good and sin sometimes goes completely contrary to what the Scriptures teach. We sin because we have hearts that are sin sick. We sin because our hearts intend to. It's what we want. It's what we desire. This is why we do the things that we do. And in case some might say, well, that's just some people. Not everyone is like that. Well, Paul makes it clear in Romans 3. In verse 10 he says, none is righteous, no not one. The scriptures teach that men and women are hopelessly corrupt. Left to ourselves, we are not the righteous. We are not the good. We are those who have fallen short of the glory of God. We are those who desperately need the grace of God. Paul tells us in Titus exactly what this heart leads to and who we all once were. In Titus 3.3, 3, he says, for we, for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. This is who we are from childhood. This is what the Scriptures teach. And apart from the grace of God in our lives, we are the disobedient. And to say that we are not, to say that we're not anything other than sinners to the core is to deny what God's Word says. And as I said earlier, we were born this way. And I just want you to think about children for a moment. 
Would any of us deny that children are not good left to themselves? I've told my wife many times that a lot of our job as parenting is literally just restraining the evil of our children. Think about your children. They just want to go after everything is sinful. It takes all your work, all your effort to keep them back from the world. It's just the constant battle of our household to keep their flesh at bay. This is what parenting really is. Of course, it's more than that. Showing them the grace of God, of course. But I want you to imagine it for a second. Could you imagine just giving your child over to the desires of their heart? Imagine a young child given over to what they want in life. It should cause all of us to realize in a split second that man is sinful and that we are in desperate need of a Savior. We're in desperate need of the grace of God because none is righteous, no, not one. Kids would eat themselves sick. They would beat one another silly. They would steal. They would lie. They would worship themselves. And they would participate in every sort of sin that you could imagine without the restraining grace of parents in their life. As the scriptures say, none are good. Romans 8 says that of man, that we were the hostile towards God. It says that, they, that we were those in the flesh that could not please him. Ephesians 2, 3 says that we were by nature children of wrath that we are the ones who without God have no hope. Jesus himself called us slaves to sin. He called people children of the devil. He said of his own disciples that they were those who were evil. Peter called us slaves to corruption. John called us those who were in the darkness and loved the darkness rather than the light. The proverb has called us fools. The Psalms have called us the wicked. The word of God is clear. None are good. And so we're not the good that mess up sometimes. That's not the reality of who we are. We are the unrighteous. We are those who are in desperate need of the grace of God. And as I said earlier, the wages of our sinful hearts is death. For this depravity... Judgment, eternal punishment, and eternity in hell. And I want you to hear this tonight. God is not sending good people that mess up sometimes to hell. He will damn the wicked. He will damn all who are apart from Christ. He will hold the sinner guilty. There is condemnation for sinners outside of Jesus Christ. And it's because they are sinners, not because they are the good. So tonight, as we think about this, even though this is who we are, even though this is the reality of all of our lives, even though left to ourselves we are hopelessly lost, even though we are those who deserve judgment because we have sinned against the immeasurable holy God who is infinitely great and we have done the insane thing to rebel against Him, He has shown us grace. He has still shown us mercy. 
And believe me, it's all of grace. No corrupt sinner can be righteous in and of themselves. There will be no one who boasts before the Lord. And as Paul said, no one will boast. If there was any goodness within us, if it is anything that we have done to earn heaven, if we have earned a right standing before God, then we have right to boast before God. And it just cannot be. There will be no mouth that boasts to our holy God. No, we are those who deserve judgment, but have found His grace. Psalms 143.2 says of every man that for no one living is righteous before God. Our only hope to be declared righteous, our only hope to have our sins not counted against us, our only hope to be redeemed, our only hope to be washed clean is by the blood of the Lamb. There's only one single way for a sinner to be made right with God. There's only one single way for the unrighteous to be declared the righteous, and that is Christ Jesus. And this Christ was God Himself in the flesh. He was the perfect One who was crucified for you and I's sin. He took our place. He lived and died the perfect life and died the death that you and I deserve. He was the perfect sacrifice, the perfect state, the perfect payment. And as I said, He is the only way. The one way. As a sinner who desperately needs Grace, Christ is that only way. The Scriptures teach that we all have fallen in Adam. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, so death spread to all men, because all sin. So through Adam's rebellion, through Adam's sin, we all died. We died spiritually. And eventually we will all die physically. And this came through one man. But in that same chapter, it says that while we all died spiritually in Adam, we can all be made alive in Christ Jesus. Romans 5.18 says that, Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. Because of that one way, because of our perfect Christ, sinners like you and me, can be made right with God. And not only that, we were spiritually dead in our sins, slave to sins, we can be brought to newness of life. To finish up, to make my final point, I want to ask this question. Did Christ die for the righteous? In that same chapter, we find out. Romans 5.7 says, For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, Though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. This is what Christ did. Romans 5.8 tells us, But God shows His love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He showed us love not while we were still good, not while we were the righteous, not while we were the good people that mess up sometimes. He shows His great love towards sinners. 
This great love is towards the unrighteous. This great love is towards undeserving sinners whose hearts were far from God. He shows his mercy to those who are in need. It has been said, and I truly believe it to be true, that in order to be saved, you first must know that you are lost. And really my great hope from tonight's sermon is that you see that without Christ, you are truly lost. That you are a hopeless sinner. And as a hopeless sinner, you must run to the Savior. You must run to Him for salvation. And I must say that if you are a believer here tonight, we're like Noah. Left to ourselves, we are not the righteous. And you might say, well, what about all the good that I do in my life as a believer? Well, that's God in your life. And as Jesus Christ said, apart from Him, you can do nothing. We are who we are by the grace of God and nothing more. So, is man good by, inch, is man good by nature? The answer, no. Man is hopelessly corrupted by sin, and sinful man has only one hope of salvation, Christ Jesus, our Lord. Cling to him today and be saved.